So, uh, good morning and welcome to another episode of A Couple With Mental Health. I hope you've got your teas, coffees, brews. It, again, it's another scorch, it's a bit humid, so I'll excuse you for a cold one this morning. Um, I have another guest, I'll let them introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Wendy Morrison. <laughs> um, so, what do you, for you, what is your relation to mental health? Um, I had a breakdown a number of years ago after a build-up of many uh, quite uh, sad uh, situations. Mother dying after cancer, a year later my granddad dying who I'd been caring for, and then six months after that my fiancé, my son's father, dropped dead of meningitis. And they were the three key people in my life. Uh, mm. I'd been, I struggled all through, it had a little breakdown and then another breakdown and then apparently a life crisis and it's the coping, trying to cope with everything and bring, but it also then exposed a lot of things from childhood and stuff yeah. that's brought me to that place that made it, I think you yeah, just had to crash and burn, but it's then dragging yourself back up again afterwards, that's, uh, but they were the key things that set it off. In the first so place. what have you been diagnosed with? Um, I, would, I suffered f from depression due to bereavement, mm. but then there's the is it the a P PTS? Yeah, post uh, yeah. post stress. Yeah, it was it was it was recommended that I had certain things, but nothing was ever uh, put down because you you go to the doctors saying that you you know you're depressed mm. or you're feeling all these things, so they put you on a bit of medication to get you through it. Uh, and it was um, that I was then referred to um, that what's the centre the um, to go to go and be assessed for anything else. But on yeah. that day, I put on when you have to drag yourself out of the house, you put on your wonderful happy face, yeah. and you go there and they say, no, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. It, so it, it's it, dealing coping with the fact that there has never been a label. You know, people mm. people have tried to suggest I'm manic. So it's people have it's other things, but I I know I'm not like everybody else. Yeah. But I just get on with it because so you have to. That's yeah. a that's a key, um, and seems to be a running theme with um, everybody I've spoken to who's been a part of the, the podcast, is they've sensed from an early age that it's not necessarily wrong. There's not something wrong with them. It's just they feel and think very differently to the people around them they don't feel like they uh, fit into what is the, the social norm yeah um, and that that uh, emphasizes all of their issues yeah that you know it might not be so much of a large issue if yeah. the differences within people was shown quite often yeah. how how young was you when you realized you probably weren't the same as everybody else What's mad is I never thought that I wasn't. I, I was just so busy just getting on with my life, just mm. being myself, trying to just get on with life, that it wasn't until I ended up back in Sheffield, stuck on my own with a kid with autism mm. and not being able to just get go away. Yeah. Any time in my life, my, parent, my grandma and my mum used to call me the butterfly because I'd just get on with life. I was in London from a very early age. Um, I just I lived sort of under the radar. I was around lots of different people. Everything yeah. was so diverse and I just seemed to keep going and never even think about anything yeah. like that. And it was only when I, I was back up here and I was made to feel by a lot of people in the circles that I was around yeah. that, oh, she's bonkers her, she's crazier. I'd never even heard anybody say that until okay. I settled down. So I didn't think that there was anything. I was just being me. Okay. And I suppose I, would, I, I, I look back and I think I was always going about 200 miles an hour in my brain, in my speech. Yeah. And I didn't think there was anything that, that, that was just me. Yeah. I'd 
fantastic friends around me and nobody ever went oh you're a bit crazy you know we just rolled with it yeah there were no there was nothing to keep me in one place or so I just got on with life and had a good time but then being here and I say in a situation where I was around people I, I would say there's something in the water in Sheffield there's <laughs> something that people here are just so intolerant or not understanding or so judgmental it's not everybody I've learned that there is also a different part of the world yeah in Sheffield but the people that were was around in those early years yeah. were not people who, who they want to judge you on your behavior yeah and I've never you know I'm, I'm just very hyper and lively I've trained myself to now only go about 100 to 80 miles an hour on you know good yeah. or bad days to everybody else that's still oh my god she's all over the place oh she's but that's really well that's just you being yeah. you yeah that's it but other people have always said and it wasn't until the breakdowns and then I went to the doctors and and then I started I had a bit of therapy and that's when I started looking at myself because I, I, I took mm. my foot off the accelerator of life I had to mm. in fact I didn't just take my foot off the brakes were put on at an almighty halt because my partner died and I was stuck with this kid that, uh, that at that time I didn't even have him for me I had him for his dad and okay. it was and I took a lot on with his dad he had a lot of history a lot of yeah. you know he was a great guy to me but it just it was only then that I realized that that everybody's not you know I, they they don't see me as normal which I wouldn't ever want to be like yeah. everybody else but I, I was never an issue until then so how so how long have you been back in Sheffield um, my oldest son is 23, so 23 years. Okay. But when I had him, things weren't so difficult because his, his dad, we shared care and yeah. I was getting on with life and it was only when I, I met my younger son, Morgan's dad, and uh, took on board everything that came with him. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you do that. And then when he died, and I, I was just stuck. I just, I'd never been stuck in one place and had to face up to anything because I'd just pack my bags and... Go so off. it made you face yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. So yeah. everything that happened before in your life kind of hit that brick wall. Yeah. How? What was the first thing you felt when you hit that brick wall? Oh God. <laughs> uh, that I actually couldn't go on any further. I think it, it it just got to that stage. I think life. I I didn't think about it until then, but I realised my life has always been tough it's always been mm. you know it's always been hard work just yeah. living and getting on with stuff and I just thought I don't I just don't want to do it anymore it's not that I wanted to die mm. but I just thought I can't do it I can't keep fighting on yeah and even with my son I thought what future is he going to have what's you know what's how it's always going to be hard work for him he mm. wasn't the great kid he is now you know mm. he screamed he never slept it was, you know, yeah. and I just thought, what's his life going to be like? And I just really, if I could have worked out a way, and I, I say this honestly, I don't tell everybody, but mm. everyone can, I think a lot of people have felt like it. If I could have worked out a way to do us both in, mm. I would have done it. That's how I felt at the time. No, I, I, yeah. I'm sure a lot of I thought, people I thought about the ways to do it, mm. but I just, because I would never have left him, never have left him to have to face the world on his own without mm. his dad and then me. That would have just been too cruel and selfish. Yeah. But I, I did at the time look into ways you know there was something going up on Emmerdale at the time assisted suicides and yeah it went through my head of how to do it because I just couldn't I couldn't I just couldn't go forward anymore so what was your first step to build yourself back up the fact that I know I couldn't do it safely mm. and I, my conscience wouldn't let me you yeah know, I'd, 
so I thought, I, I, then what, what is the alternative to, to drag yourself up to get on with it? Mm. My son needed me to be a better parent. There was an incident where I'd not slept for days and I actually must have passed out upstairs. And mm. then I woke up, my son goes to special school, gets dropped off yeah. and picked up. And I woke up and it was dark. I thought, where is he? Oh my God, no, what's happened? Mm. And he'd, he'd, he'd gone to the front door, gone in, they'd let him get off the bus and uh, the, I must have locked the, the second door and they didn't see. Uh. And he was only about six and he took himself around to the neighbours. Thank God, anything could have happened to him. And I thought, my, he could have been taken away from me. Could yeah. Have been anything could have happened to him. And that's from that day, I just thought, it's I can't. It's like a wake-up call. To, yeah, because I was smoking weed and drinking and I was never a smoker or a drinker until mm. then but it was just numbing everything the pain. I just literally got up dragged myself up in the morning got him ready put him on the bus went back and sat in the house did the same he came and I'd feed him and then I'd just sit on my bed until he went you know until he was ready for sleep and mm. and that was it I just dragged myself through every day but from that day I thought anything could have happened to him so if I'm gonna do this I'm yeah. gonna do it right uh, it took me a long time it took me maybe about six years before I could really feel like I've, I'm getting somewhere. Who did you first speak to about it all? I spoke to the doctor originally when I had the first breakdown when after my mum had died because mm. I was still trying to hold it together and nobody was helping yeah. me. So that's when I... And then after a while I did get a bit of therapy with a, a lovely... Uh, through my doctors again. They're quite mm. good, my doctors, with that sort of stuff. But I didn't want to stay on medication. I didn't want... I thought, if this is who I am, this is mm. the way I am... I'm going to try my best to learn to deal with it. Okay. I still self-medicate with alcohol, but I don't drink to get pissed up. I don't drink to... It just calms me down. Or, yeah. Well, sometimes, apart from the <laughs> weekend when I've had a few gin and tonics, then I get a bit giddy again. Fair enough. But it is, it's tr learning to balance myself and just train myself to calm down. Yeah. So how did friends and family, once you opened up about what was going on, how did that... Take. There are no no family members. I've I've got a, a half sister, but the rest of my family were they they just they're not good people. I don't have anything to do with them. They were part of the problem as well. Okay. Um, they there's always been a anyway. They they're just not not nice people. There's not many of them left. Mm. Um, and the ones that are then I could never rely on anybody. Not mm. in my family. And my friends mm. were down south. It was actually when I started at college. Um, I went to, do, to see if I could do a course. I wanted to go into child psychology because I thought if maybe if someone would have understood me when I was younger and helped me. Yeah. When because I was a smart kid, I was doing everything. You know, I was top mm. of my class with everything. But then something at teenage years, and I was just too busy having fun to be yeah. concentrating on school. We were in the care system because of my parents' divorce, and mm. nobody was nobody got to understand you or even bother with the person that you would, mm. you know, to try and find out or help you understand yourself. I mean, it is their job to care for you. It's not, you know, and they weren't, so... If you don't mind me asking, how um, did your parents divorcing and then you getting going into care, how did that happen? Because that's not usually a connection that's made. No, well, my mum was my parent. We we had no family in Sheffield. It was just my mum and dad and five yeah. kids. We grew up in Ringinlow Village, middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um... Uh, there was, I said, there's no family around, so it was just my mum had been disowned when she met my dad. So uh, although we had grandparents that we did see, yeah. it wasn't, you know, they were one, they were different parts of the country. Yeah. But it got very volatile with my mum and dad. She decided she wanted out, so she left. Ah. Uh, and left us with my dad 
and then he was struggling. Social services got involved. Mm. Thought it'd be a great idea to tell my mum to sign us into care temporarily uh, so that she could get him out of the house or us away from him. And then... Uh, you were just lost in the yeah, system. Yeah, well, the social worker then decided she wanted to move to Australia and somebody else took on the case and that was it. I was 10, the second youngest of five kids. Yeah. Um, and it just, everything just broke down from then. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, even even then, I, I was, I've always been really sort of cool about stuff. I don't think about stuff. I didn't, this was saying, I don't, I didn't realise I was different. Mm. It's only when I look back now and think about my eldest brother and sister bullied me really oh they were horrible mm. horrible spiteful people then then brother that's just above me i only know now that he was autistic yeah okay. you know it's it's some chris was just odd and then my younger sister had been ill so everybody pussyfooted around her but i it's not until i look back on life now that i look and think how i was different i like going do my own thing i like to go and you know just pot around i didn't feel i felt like i was and adopted out you know like I wasn't the same as them you'd managed to find yeah. a way to be independent yeah. of yourself I just always was I just never even thought you know like na nowadays a lot of people go oh phone my friend and we'll go here I don't I've never been like that yeah I always just get up and do what I'm gonna do yeah I don't need that and I love people and I've got some amazing friends and I love spending time with them but I don't need somebody else to sort of you like do your own company with. yeah 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 I think I'm, I'm quite. I can, I can. I like to just go in and shut the door. And, and like, bye, bye, world. <laughs> well, if you've had that to deal with it as growing up, yeah. I think you would have eventually got used to your own space. So eventually, yeah. liked your own company. I suppose. Not... It, I suppose wanting your own space when you shared a bedroom with two bitchy sisters, and then you go into care and you share in a bedroom with three or four total strangers, and then you're somewhere else you and do. people are stealing your stuff and wearing your clothes, and you know it's sort of you. You get big where you do become very like my space is my space um a lot of people would see that as a defense mechanism would you very likely yeah yeah, yeah. but it's it's grown into enjoying yeah. your own space yeah. so obviously. i think if you can't get on with yourself then you're really going to struggle because you can get away from everybody else yeah and if you need another person to complete you i mean i loved my kid son's dad you know when we had a good relationship but it was still hard work living in a like share with somebody else and their funny ways of you know in, were you together when yeah you, yeah, uh, when yeah. Died? Okay. we were together six years but i'd moved out to care for my granddad who then died so we were both living in the two houses okay back we were sort of i was struggling with a lot of stuff anyway and he worked shifts and you know we'd sort of we, we were still together mm. um but it just i mean it's you know it's it's it was the first time in my life i'd really committed to another person okay and then he died so i just think i can't be bothered to how long were you together six years six years six years that's quite a quite a yeah. time together, and it was a, it was a it was a very intense time as well. That's why I think in the end the breakdown came because taking on him and the, he's got you know he's got a past, he's got kids, he's an exes. It was quite a little celebrity in the community that we, he was from, mm. um, and there was a lot of there was a lot of lovely people. Mm. But it's almost you know you get sucked in, into a world that you've. I left that world a long time ago, and then mm. I got sucked back into it all. Yeah, and uh, it was it was worth it for him, but. Um, it then became. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't into Facebook those days because uh, there'd have been it'd have been too much. Yeah. When he died, a friend of ours had just passed away. It took his own life. Mm. And uh, all the things that people are saying now, and you know, he's a very well-known person, well liked, but there's still people talking. Yeah. Crap, basically. And I just thought, thank God that wasn't happening when, 
when Jesse was around because I just couldn't have couldn't have done all that. Mm, there, there, they, when it comes to that sort of thing, there is a double-edged sword. Yeah, to it. It's yeah, like you can yeah. share it and share the story, but when you share the story, you share it with people that not necessarily want good upon that oh, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got to you got to just, just outweigh gossip, it. Yeah. yeah, even if it's thing, there's a lot. It's people that you something. Yeah, there's a you know when there's a lot of wounded souls or hearts left behind from somebody, there's always yeah. going to be drama comes with it. And I could handle it all. I mean, at the time, even when we were together, the six years we were together, I, I also had my mum ill with cancer. Yeah, uh, I was caring for her. I'd got my granddad down in Essex caring mm. for him. I'm the only one in the family that drives. The only one that does anything for anybody. And I'd got this child eventually with me, you know, screaming and uh, being, you know, it was just pure stress. So you've spent quite a lot of your time caring for everybody else yeah, yeah, but yourself. Yeah, yeah. That was, my, I think, I know now when I look back, that was the key thing that I did because I can fix anything or anybody's situation. I've done it all my life. I enjoy doing it. I get a buzz out of doing it. Yeah. I like doing things for people, mm. but it's because you, you don't want to face up to fixing yourself. And that's the key, the turning point for me was I had to, I had to fix myself because I had to look after Morgan. Yeah. Nobody else is going to do that for me. Nobody else has in all these years. He's 17 now. Nobody's helped me. Not his dad's family, not anybody. Mm. It's only now, actually, that I've got a really lovely friend that I've made in the past two years. Yeah. And I've got a couple of great friends in Sheffield, but they've got their life, they're living in a diff, you know, they've yeah. got their partners or... So a couple of really great people here. Mm. Uh, but now the the circle of people that I'm... The friend that I've become close to and her family have sort of taken us under the wing and really make us feel, you know, that somebody actually appreciates us That's for who good. we are. Oh, they're brilliant. I don't... Uh, I don't know how I managed all this time without him. <laughs> so when it came, when you realised it was facing yourself, yeah. what was the biggest, scariest thing that you had to face about yourself? That I had to stop trying to fix everything and everybody else. That I had to... Uh, there's that saying, people mistake my kindness for weakness, but my kindness was a weakness. It mm. was the, the weakest part of me. I don't stop being kind. I stop wanting to fix everything. I stopped wanting to make everyone else happy. I stopped wanting mm. to, to, I took everything on, but that's what I did all my life. You Because I felt good doing it. Mm. You, to, to know, I also realised that I see things in a way other people don't see it. Mm. I see the most, you know, someone will have a problem or an issue and I'll think, but all you've got to do is that. Yeah. And I could just fix things for You stuff. see the solution. Yeah, that's it. It's it's. But it's. I realised that's another form of me being a different kind of person because I, I used to tell people you know, oh, you can do this, you can do that, or, and and it was right. I knew how to fix it, but people don't want to be told what to do or how to do things, and I've had to stop that as well. A lot of people, um, I think the the saying goes, you can't convert, you can only help. Mm. Um, and if somebody's not willing to want to change their issues yeah. or face their yeah. issues. No matter how much you bang on that door to try and yeah. get them to open yeah. it, they're never going to open it. It's, it's not, not my job to fix the world no I've, I've i know enough i've had enough experience in life to be able to advise somebody or support them if they want that yeah i just i'll just say look you, these these are the choices i think yeah you just run with it if you want or not Whereas yeah. before i used to actually physically go and fix everything anybody needed money even if i'd not got any i'd go without myself to go and and mm. it was it was an almost i I buzzed off that. I felt good by, and in the end, it wasn't. That's that's. I was a, being taken for a proper mug by that, a lot of people. That's a running theme I've also yeah. noticed. Is yeah. those with mental health issues, they tend to because they don't want people to feel the way they felt. Oh. They are very much reaching out on everybody else. Yeah. 
but you are, I always, best advice I was ever told is you are like a bank. There's only so much you can give out until you're overdrawn. Yeah, yeah. You've got to put yeah, something back yeah. in. And it took that. It took me being, you know, robbed, ripped off by my family. My granddad had left me a little bit of summer. I was looking after everyone else. My ex dress, you know, I had loads of stuff. I had to sell the house that was my granddad's. It took on a pub for my family. They robbed me blind, physically attacked me. It scandalised me. It was absolute. EastEnders ain't got nothing on my life. The way that things are, the story. If it, you know, it's. But at the end, I just thought they've all done me a favour because they've shot themselves totally in the foot, and I, I stopped feeling responsible for my family. Yeah. I'd always felt responsible for. They're really not nice people. They never were. They didn't appreciate me, and they mm. actually were always like, "Who does she think she is? She thinks she knows it all. She does." But I kind of did. <laughs> but they, you know, but they, but in in the way they see it is like, it's it's a negative thing. And I had to understand that not everybody takes to me like that. Yeah. I know who I am. I know I'm genuine. I know I'm thin, but it is too much for a lot of people. So just, just back off and if think about a yourself. lot of people are very um, insecure into who they are. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just when it takes over your entire life, then yeah. it becomes a bad thing. And it, yeah. it, how it affects your mood, how it affects the person you are, then it yeah. becomes a bad thing. Because yeah. we all have our little insecurities, whether yeah. or not it's visual or internal. Yeah. And I think it's not there's not a problem with that. It's when it takes over, those fears and insecurities take over your entire yeah. life that yeah. it becomes yeah. a problem. Yeah. And then that's how it affects how you treat people. Yeah. And once it's affecting the way you treat people... That those words, those actions can never be taken back. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm, I'm definitely a person to say think before you say something mm. to somebody because you could even seeing the world through my son now mm. and thinking at one time I was I'd never meant to be a horrible but you know I was a bit of a larry little sort yeah you know with when and I was hyper my brain was like that so I could be quite sarcastic I didn't do fighting I couldn't stand physical any kind of physical. Mm even attention you know I wasn't a big yeah. hugger or a big you know and people who were physical and fighting and smack I can't stand all that yeah so the only way I could f- defend myself yeah would be verbally yeah. I could rip someone to shreds verbally and yeah. it doesn't always have to be nasty sometimes it's really being sharp and witty and sarcastic yeah. and then by the time they've clicked at what yeah. I've said I've legged it down the street and I'm gone you know I lived in London for years that was one of the things that probably kept me alive and safe is just being able to think quick verbalise something and then gone you know, like Zorro with the tongue <laughs> and off, off down the road gone bye <laughs> so what's been um, since since everything that has gone on from then and facing yourself and all that like, what's been the biggest thing you've been proud of who I have become and the fact that my son is the nice person you know that I mean he is a great kid I'm so proud that I I somehow got through it and the end result is me and my son in a good place and Mm. looking forward I never used to look to the future because nothing's ever as you plan it I never planned anything yeah Uh, uh, but now definitely the the person that he is and the the life we have together yeah is I, I feel at peace, I feel happy, I feel, you know, I'm, I feel complete. I don't need another person to, I've never needed another person to complete me. But people always think it's a partner or, you know, a, mm. a relationship like that. But the two most important relationships you, you, you'll you ever have is with yourself. And if you've got children with your children, because you're moulding them for the future. Agreed. If you screw up their childhood, then that was my key thing is it doesn't matter what had happened in my life. If I mess this boy's life up, then I'm a failure because I chose to have him. Yeah, it, it maybe didn't come out the way that you would have imagined. Yeah. But the gift he's given me 
by being the way that he is and mm. knowing that you know he was made out of love me and his dad loved each other mm. and although it was tough it's you know is the, that's the greatest gift that i've ever had because yeah. i had to focus on him with his, his with his autism i had to focus on his needs i could see how he was being affected emotionally by me not pulling myself together i always believe that we always have lifesavers around us yes yeah, yeah and um one major thing seems to be is obviously yeah. kids i mean i have two yeah. my son is also autistic yeah. and my daughter's diabetic yeah. so no matter what's you going on you have to think about their to, needs yeah. if you don't they you are. see too many kids messed up myself included with my parents they didn't think further than they my mum got up the door let's get married whatever mm. and five kids later you know they, there was never a thought to yeah that where there was no plan from them of what to do everyone just assumes you get with somebody have some kids they grow up get a job yeah and it's not the same when you've something like that you know it just doesn't work out that well, way well they say most, uh 50 percent of all mental health issues are established by the age of 14 yeah which by the sounds it yeah. rings very true for you yeah um obviously going for the system that would have been yeah. a, a lot to take on as well yeah. as an abusive family yeah. Yeah. Um, I I can relate to it with I didn't go through the system, but my mum was a gambling addict. So yeah. My my stepdad was very abusive. Yeah. So, not so much towards me, but in yeah, general. In general. Um, so I I can completely relate to it. Um, if there was something that you would have took from each time something changed in your life, so so what I did because generally when you go through like the add on like levels, so yeah, yeah. What was the main running theme that kept you holding on? If if it, obviously aside from your children, what was the main theme that kept you holding on? I didn't even know who I was, the person I was, because I I, I described my life as I don't know whether you're old enough to remember. There used to be a, a I think it was an Atari computer game. Yeah. It was a frog that was getting across yep. the river, and there were logs and lily pads. Yeah. And once you get jump onto that first log or lily pad, you don't have time to sit and think yeah and that's how my life's been I've just hopped and hopped and hopped and I've never thought about anything but something in me has always made me know I was worth something even though my parents you know they fell out of mm. love with each other my childhood was not an awful childhood mm. when I talk to people about it, they go, oh my god you never had new clothes or you never had this or you never had that thing I never felt thingy I you know I never I felt loved my parents just fell out of love with each other. It That's wasn't a really always. Nice view of looking yeah. at it. Well, it wasn't always. It's when thing people take stuff personally. People do shitty things because they're shitty people. You know that I'm not shit, so I'm not. I, 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 I something. It, there is something in me that keeps me believing I'm worth something, and always has done. I like, you know, I like myself. I've always sort of. Mm. I've always, yeah, I've always kind of liked myself. I didn't understand myself. I didn't even think that you had to understand yourself. I just oh, got on with it. But that's, that's the thing is, you've took from that is, I don't know or understand what's going on, but I know that I'm yeah. worth whatever's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. and I'm whatever I'm going through. Yeah. I was just in a little zone when I look back and think about being a kid and thinking that I was different from my brothers and sisters. And I'm glad because they're awful people. I mean, Chris wasn't, you know, he's like my son. Uh, but it's it's that thing of, I, 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 I was... 15 years old I was living with a guy 10 years older than me mm. it was a nasty abusive vile person and I eventually got away from him that's how I ended up in London but I just I knew I was worth more than that even yeah. though it was horrible mm. I got away from him and I even in London I met some fabulous people 
who, who looked out for me. And I've got some fabulous lifelong friends that have, mm. were still the best of friends. Yeah. Three women that were just there for me. Yeah. And, and you know, they've gone through this stuff. We lost touch for a few years here and there. But we're back friends, you know, we're yeah. through Facebook and through other situations, we're friends again. So they, for, for all the drama in life and all the horrible things, and there was some very dark places and hard times, mm. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Although, normal. I'll just step on that a minute, where, where you said you was in a um, an abusive relationship. Yeah. I like how you said you knew you was worth more than yeah. what was going yeah. on. That's quite a strong vibe to take through, even when you're going through. How yeah. was you? How long was you with that partner? Um, for a couple of years, he, I, it, it, it sort of off kidnapped me from the kids' homes and and put me through certain things that weren't mm. very nice. And I kept trying to get away. And it, and it was weird because although it was it was nobody had ever actually been that bothered about me to take any notice that much. So there yeah. was almost I felt that I felt I had to sort of I just felt almost like a. A robot to him that I had to yeah. you know it, I'd, I'd got away it, from him and then he found me somewhere and then dragged me back and beat the mm. crap out of me and 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 I just thought oh, I'm never going to get away from this man he just seems to appear mm. uh, you know there was no I didn't even think to you know looking back I think, why didn't I just go to the police or why didn't I I was in care I was mm. in the care system yeah. but they did not care where you mm. were they did not you know, put and I just They'd also threaten me with locking me up till I was 18, so I thought I'd rather be, you yeah. know, at least I'm free to a degree here. So it's how I, I work things out totally different from... So you went for the yeah. devil you know than the devil you don't. Yeah, that's it. And, it was, and he was obsessed with me, which... And then, I mean, I, I just felt, literally, every time I turned a corner when I got away, he was there. Mm. I even ran away to London and was in London and went to find somebody that I knew, said he'd help me out, something else had happened. And when I walked in this place... He was there. He'd hired a car from Leeds to come to London to look for me, a place I'd never ever been before mm. in this one place. And he was there. And I'm like, I just thought, oh my God, what is it? And he used to, he brainwashed me to think that, that he'd got spies all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and ev the eventual reason when I finally left him and he absolutely smashed my face to bits and mm. dropped me on my friend's doorstep to, for her to take me to the hospital mm. and told us both if either of us said anything to the police or anything, he would throw acid in her face oh. the minute we left the house. So from that day, but that's when I swore no one would ever put their hands on me again. Mm. He was a vile, horrible person, mm. you know, and it's... But I just, somehow I just think, this can't be it. You know, this is not what I was created for. It takes a lot for. to fight through that. I don't, I don't know what it is in me. I know, I know now... I understand myself now. Mm. I was just being must being me before. Yeah. Even going into care, I didn't think, oh my god, I've gone into care, how awful. I spent my whole life being grateful I wasn't abused. Yeah. You know, I've got friends who lived at home who were abused by their own fathers. It's you know, and it's that that to me is ten times worse than anything I've ever been through. Because your child's had robbed from you. Yeah. My childhood was still nice. Yeah. I had a great school. And I was saying I felt loved. I just didn't feel like I was. I think that's the key. There. there, you still yeah. felt loved. Yeah, I've always felt loved by by people, and I kind of love myself. Not in a not in a oh my god, I'm so. I mean, I joke about it with people who who, yeah. who have an issue with me. I go, oh, I'm just so fabulous, and it pisses them off. <laughs> but I do it. I, I think if you're not as well being nice, I'm even nicer than I used to be because it's more, um, it's undiluted niceness. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was spreading myself too yeah. thin. I couldn't be all things to everybody. 
but when I, I am like, nice to somebody... I like that, undiluted yeah. niceness. Yeah. I like, like that feeling. You're like Ribena, you know, if you water it all down, you could everyone can have a drink, but when, it, you know, it's that... It's, when it's all you know nice just before it's diluted mm. but if it's undiluted then it's the strengths there and and you can really concentrate on being good mm. with the people who deserve it and you yeah. get something back i don't give like you saying i don't i'm not even a slot machine pays out eventually mm. you know and and i don't i'm not gambling my life like that i'm not yeah. putting my, everything into other people's baskets that yeah. got holes in the bottom of them yeah i'd rather just you know i've got key people and I'll never give up on if I meet somebody new and, you know, yeah. whatever. And, you know, I'm not bothered about relationships, but I know how fabulous I am. I know I'm worth being with somebody. It'd have to be a little bit quirky. But I definitely don't want any people that need fixing. I just don't want to be around people that... I. In fact, I don't mind people who need a bit of fixing, but I'll give them the little toolbox, you know. And anything that can help. Bit, and, and you fix yourself. I think that's the thing is people... Yeah get into relationships because they believe some I've, I've seen that believe oh I can Another make I can make them better yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah. make they can make me better well yeah. no they've just got to assist making yourself yeah. better that's what happened with Morgan's dad when I met him he was a mess he might have had you know he's a bit of a celebrity as I say he was in the certain things but when I met him he was just a guy living on his own in a flipping council flat he, mm. he'd had a bit of a problem with drugs he was struggling with his kids, who you know, and seeing them, and his ex and exes, you know, he was it, but he was in a dark place, mm. and we just were friends at the beginning, but over the time we were together, we he just he he, he always said that I I I made him, and I mm. said, but he made me as well because I looked at things different, mm. you know, just because this person's got this, I think we were very similar, mm. led totally different lives, but again with our our personalities, we were. Similar. similar and you know we both helped each other but the key thing was he wanted to change because yeah. people go oh he changed for you and say oh yeah you did that you but i just said to him look you can do what you want to do but not if you're with me that's not my style and it was almost relieved no one had ever told him he couldn't do something hmm. i'm like you can but not with me and and it's that somebody's got to want your help or support yeah. somebody's got to want that putting it on everybody all the time it's banging your head against the brick wall. Oh, yeah, a dead horse. I totally agree. And it's a lesson that for, for me to learn, that was my drug, fixing things and fixing people. I don't need to fix anyone yeah. else. And my mum used to say, you're always all lame dogs and, you know, and oh, every, always taking in, everybody sees the strength of me. I didn't see it, but she says everyone sees that in you, that bubbliness, that happiness. Mm. So they all want to attach themselves to you and then they just suck the life out Leeches, of you. Leeches, yeah, I've been told, it. yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I can, I spot it now before, I, even since I've lived here, there's three women that I've sort of become friends with, mm. uh, different times, but I'm just saying hi, I'm friendly with everybody, nice, and then they're like, oh, do you want to go for a drink? Yeah, and then it's, oh, and then the next minute, they're, they're, they're moaning and bitching about every single thing in life, and I thought, I can't take this. That's that's the difference now. I know when to say no. You're actually sucking the life out of me. The boundaries. You're a, yeah, you're a negative, you're, you're, you're negativity. And, and I'll, whereas before I say, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'll, I'll just leave it and leave it. I don't see the point in, I, I'm wasting my time even talking to these people because they, they just go and do the same thing with somebody else. They don't want to be different. No. They don't want to change because they can actually do something about what's wrong with them. Oh, yeah. I, I, I completely agree. So, um... Sorry, got somebody... away without too much noise outside there anyway. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's cutting um, something outside, so it's a bit loud. Um, so we're coming to the end of the podcast, and I usually ask people 
if they could give free tips on your entire life exper experiences. Um, somebody was going going to go through the exact. If you knew this person was going to go through the exact same experience you did yeah. with all the hardships, yeah. losing people, and all that, what would be the free tips that you would give them? I think to always think, mm. think before you say something, or you do something. Yeah. Think of the reaction or the consequences. It's very easy. We all just do stuff. Uh, like the general Carl sentence and one thing leads to another one thing actually doesn't have to lead to another yeah if you just sometimes take a deep breath and think how is this going to then yeah pan out maybe you could save you a lot self a lot of drama yeah. a lot of stress a lot of heartache a lot of a lot of yeah a lot of pain or you know then you think and you think no actually that's the right thing then you know you've made a decision yeah. Life's like those little mazes, you know, when you're kids and you've got those little mazes, yeah. you follow the lines. Yeah. And how many times do you go up and down the same little thing? Eventually you're going to get to the exit, but you just sometimes have to take the longer way and feel along every wall, and that's how you definitely get yourself out of the mm. maze. Um, be nice, don't be horrible to people. There's no need to be horrible. Mm. When people lash out, it's normally because they're not in control of themselves, and it's and it does. You can't, you can't hurt another person. Uh, and, yeah, just... Um, don't don't live on regrets. Don't worry about what's already happened because there's nothing you can do about it. But learn yep. from it. You know, just get on with it. Get back on that horse or that bike or whatever. And I can't ride a bike. I think apparently <laughs> intelligent people that can't ride bikes. <laughs> that, that's what I, t I tell. I just kid myself a lot. Of time. But yeah, just. Well, um, my takeaway from this, I, I have to. Yeah, you've given me something to think about of the diluted kindness. Yeah. I see it quite often. I yeah. don't think I've ever put words to it, but yeah. I've seen it quite often. And you're right. Nobody wants ultimately watered down juice. Yeah, that's it. So you know? yeah. if you if you say no and you put your boundaries in, the yeah. kindness that you can give to yeah. those that need it the yeah. most is at its double strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the main one is 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 worth knowing that you no matter what's no, going worth on something. you're yeah, worth yeah, something definitely i didn't i didn't even know that the, i didn't even think i was just being myself but i think I'd, deep down inside i look back now and i think i always knew i was worth fighting for mm. somehow i was worth getting to a better place so you fought for yourself yeah yeah i think nobody else were gonna do it were they well that's the thing is, is even if they are yeah. the people are there by your side every day yeah, yeah. the only person who can fight for you yeah, is you yourself, you've got yeah. to live with you for the rest yeah. of your life yeah and I think that's where it, where the main thing is people look to one of us for yeah. self-worth. The, the name's, it's in the label, self-worth, yeah. but it only comes from yourself. I think that's everybody dying on me, that's what did that, because I f literally felt like they were the focus of everything. I was juggling in a million balls, and then my mum died, my granddad died, Jesse died, and then and I'm like, oh my God. I felt like I'd been thrown out at sea without any kind of flow and I'd got this little screaming kid and I'm not even a very good swimmer yeah. so I'm thinking I've had to learn to swim with both of us and take him I've had to strengthen up my mental swimming yeah. so so that I could take you know and it's it's, it's definitely paid off little Dory there going yeah. I keep, just keep swimming <laughs> yeah that's it keep going just keep swimming just yeah that's what I, mean. I don't know where I'm going I forgot where I'm going but I'm going just keep swimming <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's the main thing is a lot of it takes a lot to realise you need your self-worth. Yeah. And it also takes a lot to know who is deserving, not just to your kindness, but to yeah. deserve your story your as well. Yeah. And your, yeah. and your time. Yeah. And 
we always seem to feel guilty when we say no. It's like because we're told it's, it's the a most negative liberating word you can ever say. But I we, tell we're... people that's it. Once you learn to say no, you go oh. I've said no. Oh, we've been great. trained that yeah. no is such a negative word. Yeah. Well, no is not always a negative word. It's standing up for yourself. No is just a word. How yeah. you use it is be yeah. positive or negative. Yeah. Because saying no and going, no, you're crossing my boundaries now. Yeah. You need to stay away. Yeah. That is a positive no. Definitely. Turn around and say no and turning somebody away at their hour of need yeah. is not. Yeah, no. And I think that's knowing the difference between the two. Yeah. And I think knowing the difference between the two does come with your self-worth. Yeah. Because I know plenty of people, and I've been guilty of it myself. I've got a lot going on. I'm, I'm stressing. I'm, I'm cl- crying behind closed doors. But my friend will go, I need you. Yeah. And it's just like, Duff, yeah. I'm off. Yeah. Um, that, that, is, that is what friends do. But you just don't let the whole thing drag it. When something is just one-sided, that's what I felt with these three women that I'd been. And I've got a couple of other friends that mm. are there. If I, if, I'm, not, I'm not used to people who give back because I've been around too many people that, that aren't givers, they're that just, just takers. takers. Yeah. But I've got a select few people that I get so much out of having them as my friends, I would do absolutely anything for them because I know they'd do it for me. Yeah. I had somebody say that once, oh yeah, right, you know I'd do it for you and I think, actually, no I don't, you've never done anything and when you've got your stuff, I don't see you. So really, sure, that's it, not true. That's consistency yeah. of actions. If they're yeah. consistent, if they're consistent actions is always taken yeah. and, and never been there. Yeah words do not matter anymore yeah i always say consistency is key yeah. because if yeah. they've consistently taken they're never gonna they might do it every now and again yeah. just to keep that relationship going yeah. enough to keep yeah. it going but if you're always left literally you're emotionally yeah. pocketless yes yeah, that's exactly it then you need to say goodbye to those people that's when the key word no once yeah. you say no to the piss takers you won't see them again no i there you go yeah. no <laughs> On that note, I'm about I'm going to end this. I'm just going to say thank you for being part You're of this, welcome. and thank um, and thank you for telling your story. Anytime, it's love. Been it's an interesting more. one. Wait for the book. <laughs> okay, go on. I where to start. <laughs> I get told the same. I get told you should write a book, but yeah. I really wouldn't. Know. I mean, where do you start? Where yeah. does the beginning start? I know. So I say thank you very much, and You're I'm. Thank you for being part of this. All right, my love. Right, uh, and that's the end of another episode. Uh, good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Couple With and they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others and some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories and that's what it's all about, talking about people's stories over a cup of tea and having those open conversations. So like I say, if you like, share, subscribe rate that's all appreciated and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us